Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert and my heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Oh, Lord, we just thank you, Father, that we are not the same, Lord. And that is my prayer as we go through this series on reestablishing our vision for new life, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you gave us a vision, Father. This is not a man-made thing that you gave new life, but this is something that you planted in our hearts, Lord, through your Spirit. So, Lord, as we hear these things and learn these things, Father, that we would not just be hearers of the Word, but doers, Father. I pray that you would use me as an instrument in your hand to deliver your anointed, powerful Word this morning. In the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen, amen. 2023, the year of all in, amen? So we're going to continue in that theme as we cover our uh, vision. Uh, If you didn't get one of these last week, uh, Pastor Curley, I put a pile of these back there. You should have, I put them in in the packets this morning too. If you need one of these, this is our vision. We also give out our notes uh, with, the, with the scriptures on them. So uh, this is our vision. You're going to see it on the Connection Center. We're going to keep handing them out, uh, put it on your refrigerator. I know that sometimes it's like, no, I don't want the paper copy. I have it on my phone, but you have to go to the app, open the app and look for the vision, right? This is going to be put it before you as we're going to read in just a moment. So put it before your eyes that you would see it. And this is who we are. This is what we do. This is why we're in ministry here. And And uh, sure, it covers uh, quite a bit of what we do. It doesn't cover everything, but it gives us a foundation to build on. So we want to make sure that our foundation is sturdy, right? So Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. Rampart is a wall that they would put around the city to protect it, and it was big enough to put a chariot on and people to walk on. So he put himself on the rampart. I stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me, capital H, and what I will answer when I am corrected, right? Corrected just means that you have guidelines or guardrails that put you in place. You you know, if you're going down the street and there's guardrails and you try to get off the street, you scratch up against the guardrail, right? So we, we want to be corrected so we don't uh, rub up against those guardrails that God has uh, given us. Then the Lord answered to me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come and it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but... The just, excuse me, the just shall live by faith. We live by faith in the word of God and we live by faith according 
the, the, the new life lives by faith according to this vision. And our vision, uh, uh, simply put, I want to let you know that we started this vision with uh, a little bit of a different wording and we changed it. Uh, right now it's know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Uh, when we started Faith Family Worship Center before we merged in here, it was win, consolidate, disciple, and send which are basically the same things, but what this does is it gives you a, more, a simpler term or terminology to understand what we're doing. We want people to know God. We want people to find freedom after they know God, right? To be delivered and, and to grow in the Word, to discover purpose, right? If you're saved, you serve. You just got to find out where you fit and where you, where you need to serve. And then as you serve, you make a difference. You make a difference, Right? Uh, those four things are covered in detail in our plantings class. So I want to encourage you. Some people have already signed up. Some newcomers uh, have signed up. When I say newcomer, if you've been here several months or you've been here, if you've been here years and you've never attended a plantings class, please sign up. You want to definitely be part of that. You hear the history of the church. You find out what these four things mean to us in detail. Uh, and we teach that. And um, so you, you definitely want to be part of that if you're new and you're going to be part of this church. On our connection card, oh, on our connection card on the back, it tells you what to do next. So if you're here for the first time, fill this out. Uh, if you haven't filled one of these out in a long time, fill it out and just put it in the uh, uh, at the Connection Center now that we've already collected uh, the tithes and offerings. But you have step one, step two, and step three. Step one is fill out the card. Step two is uh, join a small group, which we have several going on during the week. And then uh, step three is attend the plantings class. So we're going to have these uh, several times a year, two or three times a year. If more, and we're expecting growth. So more new people, as more new people come, we'll do it as often as we need to. So we're going to start that the first Wednesday in February. So the first Wednesday in February is plantings class number one. It's going to be at seven o'clock. It'll be right here in the elementary school class or children's church class in the back. So Wednesday at seven, but please sign up so we know you're coming. We make booklets and, and we want to know how many people are going to be here. Uh, myself and, and uh, Pastor Curly and, and Pastor Margie, we teach those classes and every time we, we rotate people around so we may have a, a special guest speaker in one of those classes. But I always teach the first one, which is laying a, a foundation for who we are and what, what, why we do what we do. And it covers these four things in our vision. So why did Pastor Margie and Pastor Rick plan a church and start? So it wasn't our idea. We went to Ramah train, uh, Bible Training Center, and while we're at the, at the it's a se like a seminary, now it's a college, they, they, it's an accredited college. When we went, it wasn't. But uh, when we went, there was a lot of young people right out of high school or in their early 20s, and they're like, yeah, we're going to go to school, and we're going to be pastors of churches. And I'm like, why would you want to do that? You know? And uh, you know, I was already in my, let me see, I was 33 years old when, when we moved to, uh, to Oklahoma. So you know, I was in that early 30s or whatever. So I moved there. I had already been in ministry. My wife and I had been in, in children's ministry for a while. We had already experienced. I was the, the lead usher in our church for a while, and uh, we did almost anything that needed to be done. Uh, I cleaned the bathrooms for a while at, at uh, Alpha and Omega Church in Miami, uh, and we had those, those old uh, uh, high... I don't know if you guys remember 
but in high school, they had those urinals that were really tall, and they went all the way down onto the floor like that. Now they have the ones on the wall. Uh, yeah, I had to clean those top to bottom, uh, and it was okay. I was, you know, I would just sing my songs in because it was a Spanish church, and and clean the urinals. It was no big deal. It, it was. I'm trying to just sound like I'm really spiritual, but it was. It was rough. But anyway, I did it. I did it. And, and we got to uh, Ramah, and we were like, okay, Lord, what do you have for us next? We were just totally asking God, what, because we weren't making up our mind as to what we were going to do next. And planning a church was not our deal. We wanted to serve someone, and that's what God did. He moved us to Daytona Beach, and we served Pastor Fred and Phyllis uh, for about 10 years there as children's pastors and uh, um, associate pastor there and uh, we served in their school our kids went to school there we were extremely blessed to be part of that ministry for the time that we were and then when the lord asked us to plant a church we were like no so <laughs> we were very excited and we said no and uh you know you ever seen a kid when you go to give him he go <laughs> they're like no i don't want that right so we were kind of like no you know and uh, But we said, yes, Lord, as he continued to show us what he was going to do, and that's why we're here today. And um, so this is how we ended up here. One of the, we're, we're, we're Bible people, so I want a scripture, Lord. If you're going to move me, if you're going to talk to me, you're going to talk to me through your word. And this is the scripture that he gave us out of Genesis 28, verses 3 and 4. And it says, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. I love that. People with an S. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take the possession of the land where you now live as an alien or a stranger, the land God gave to Abraham. So when my wife read this, she would say, the land, the land, possession of the land, right? She had a little bit of an accent, said the land. And we were like, Lord, and, and we, we, we discussed this with God back and forth, and uh, we ended up right into land, and now we know why, because we're here, and uh, it moved us here. But during this time, or right before this time, the Lord gave me a vision during a prayer service, and it was uh, what I call Y Church. We're calling it now 2023 All In, right? So we're doing All In Community today. And the word church, the Lord showed me and gave me an acrostic using the word church. You know, God tends to speak to people. Yes, you go, girl. Uh, God tends to speak to people in the way that they think or the way that they receive the most. So I've heard sometimes people come up and say, and the Lord came and he just told me off. And I'm like, well, he doesn't talk to me that way, but I guess that's how you respond better, right? And, uh, you know, to me... It's kind of a whisper because it requires me to be quiet and put me aside, right, so that I can listen, right? It's not in your face kind of thing, for me anyway. So people hear God according to how they receive because God is our Father and He knows us, right? He knows how we are. Aren't you different with your kids? You can't treat, you know, you may try to raise them all the same. It doesn't work. Right, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be different according to their personalities, according uh, to who they are and how they listen and how they receive. Uh, I'll give you a good example of that. So, um, you know, uh, we disciplined our children as they were growing up. Uh, nothing too crazy, uh, but we, at one point, one of our children, uh, we would sit them down and have these talks. 
And, uh, you know, they were like, you know, there we go. Even to adulthood, we would have, we would, they were all out of the house and we would make, you know, send out a text and say, hey, we're having a family meeting. We need you all here. <laughs> like, oh my God, there's a family meeting. Now you handle it different. They're married. They got kids. They, you know, they're adults. They live on their own. So you, you can't have the same kind of family meeting that you would in the past. In fact, we're, we're due for one of those. But, um, <laughs> but uh, one of our kids we, we went, something happened, I don't remember what it was, and we sat them down to talk to them. Said, we need to talk to you about this, and we're going to have this. And the, they looked at me and my wife and said, just spank me. <laughs> I go, that tells me that this is going to hurt more than spanking you, so you're, we're going to talk to you for an hour. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to talk to you. We're going to point out everything. We're going to, and we just, we sat them down and went through the whole thing and man, rolled their eyes and it was great. But so, so the Lord speaks to me in, in these kind of things because I like steps and I like acrostics and I like things that, that kind of make sense, you know, is that because they go together well, they're easier to remember right? So he gave me this acrostic, Y Church, and we used, he, he gave me this in a, in a prayer service, and I wrote this down as it was coming to me. Um, I won't go into my experience too much. I've already done that. But uh, uh, the first C is community, which we're covering, covering today. The H is harvest. The U is unto him. The R is restoration. C is communion, which covers all the sacraments in the church. And H is home. Uh, I wrote down habitation, but my wife said, write down home because habitation is kind of a big word, which basically just means that we minister to everyone in the home from the babies all the way up to the great-great-grandparents or however far we, we need to go. Uh, we try to, to be those that minister to everyone and not just be focused on one uh, generation alone. So, um, so through this scripture and through that visitation of White Church uh, and the acrostic, the Lord uh, had us plan our church, and that's why we're here today. But in, the, in Genesis 28, we saw the word community of peoples, and I wanted to cover that word community for just a moment. And uh, the Hebrew word for community is used in, as is used in Genesis 28, 3, is the word kahal, or kahal. And it's assembly, company, congregation, or convocation. An assembly of peoples, a company of returning exiles, a congregation, does that sound familiar? This is my favorite one. An organized body, community. And, and at this point, where the word kahal is used in Genesis, uh, the church wasn't a body yet because Jesus had not come and died on the cross, right? And, and made us into who we are today as it, as it teaches us in Acts that we've become a body, the body of Christ, and he is the head of the church. But if you look up community uh, in, in uh, a dictionary, I looked it up on Google. I can't remember which dictionary. I think it was the Oxford Dictionary that came up. It said, vibrant relationships doing life together as a family. I love that. Vibrant relationships doing life together as a family. See, God created the church community because we need each other. You know, I was sharing at the beginning how so many people have served in these different ministries and how, uh, you know, if you're ready to serve in some way, even if it's just a little bit, uh, we have something for you to do. 
And, um, you know, we had opportunities, uh, you know, sometimes we were like, I don't know if that's my purpose, what's my purpose, what's my purpose? And we asked these questions because I want to know what my purpose is. I want to serve God. I don't want to just do things and do things. And, and then, you know, no one got to the end of their life and said, I wish I would have made more money. I've stood next to deathbeds in the hospital while people said, I'm going home. And not one of them would say, I wish I would have made more money. You know what they ask? Can you contact my son? Can you have my, my, you know, my, my grandkids come? Can you have? If they had money, they would give every penny away for another day. So we, we work our lives, and yes, you, you don't work, you don't eat, so you have to work, right? There's a whole book about it, the book of Job. Everyone should get one, right? Why do you guys laugh at that? You guys laugh at that every time. I've said it a hundred times in, in a year, and you guys still laugh at it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so you have to work, but the, your purpose in life is not work. Your purpose in life is not the position that you've taken in this secular job that you currently have. Your purpose in life is biblical. And it says everyone has the ministry of reconciliation. You saw in the video, we have to go and tell somebody about God, right? So you, you, I changed my method of thinking. Uh, I owned a business in, uh, in Miami for a few years, me and another gentleman. Uh, I, I, he was not doing well with the business. I worked for Xerox. I came in. I helped him get the business going. He sold half the business to me, and I ran it for him. He was uh, living in Jacksonville. I had another business just like it in Jacksonville, and I ran the one in Miami, and we fixed copiers for Xerox. So I you know, was ha I was doing all this work every day, and I'm trying to get the business, and finally got the business going where it was uh, uh, profitable and everything, and, and I, I still didn't feel fulfilled. And the Holy Spirit, I was praying, I said, Lord, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to And the Holy Spirit, so gently like he does with me, right? Because you have to kind of listen in, right? So for me, it's like that. So I'm listening in, uh, and he says, you don't have a business that fixes copiers. You have a business that employs people. And that may not mean much to everybody, but to me it did because our business, we would have company picnics. Even though our company was very small, I wanted to know my employees' wives and kids and get to know the families and know what. And when I started treating my business according to employing these people, I started ministering to these people. And I started having them, how's your marriage going? Are you guys okay? And they would come to the office. You know, I think some of them just came to the office to not work and get paid, but they would come to the office. That's me being judgmental at the time. That was a while ago. But he, they would come to the office, and I would talk to them, right? And I would have these, these moments and minister to them, and they would call me and say, pray for my child. He, you know, is sick. Or, or, or they would call and say, I can't come in. I'm not feeling well. Well, before, of course, you can have whatever time you have some sick days. Go ahead and use them. But let me pray for you. So there was one. I think I had one that was like, didn't want anything to do with that, but I didn't care. So I would, you know, I would say, I'll pray for you, and then they would. But I ran my business, even though we were fixing copiers, and we had to do that at, at, a, at a good, excellent way because we wanted to keep the contracts that we had and make money and provide for these people. But I was not just fixing copiers. I was employing people and helping provide for those families. And it changes your mindset. So that's what we need to figure out. Our purpose is not just what you're doing at your job. If you're building widgets, you're somebody's next to you. You might be there just for them. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, you say, you live your whole life and only one person got saved. It's, it was worth it to them. 
Would it not be worth it, right? It'd be worth it to me if that was your purpose. Thank God that we have more than just one person, one purpose. But we need each other. We had a, a, an attack, not just on the world itself, but on the church. And it was uh, uh, in my lifetime, in, in the little bit of history that I know, I think it's the first time that we had a global type pandemic, a global, something that globally affected every nation. Is it safe to say that? Because I'm not as smart as some of you here. But, uh, so there was a moment in time, uh, a year, maybe two years, and we're still being affected by it. We're finally getting past the whole mass thing and all that. And, and uh, you, if you haven't noticed that uh, uh, COVID's kind of starting to be treated like the flu now. If you have it, just stay home. You don't want to give it to anybody. It's, it's kind of dying out. It's still around, and it's still there, and it's still prominent, and it's still something you don't want to get right? Uh, you don't, do you want the flu? Do you want the common cold? No, we don't want any of that stuff, right? In the name of Jesus. So, you know, it's something that affected and we shut down. And I think the biggest thing, the, 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 the worst effect that we had on the church was we were sent home to be separated from each other. Quarantine, left alone, and there is so much right now, depression, anxiety. People are still, still separated themselves. I'm not here to tell you we did the right thing or the wrong thing. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not, I, don't, I don't know what should have or shouldn't have been done. I know what I felt that I needed to do for me and for the church. And we've always uh, promoted whatever Wherever your faith is and whatever your, you know, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask, please. Nobody, and if anybody says anything to you, you send them to me, right? So we, we've always been very much like that. And if I go to a, a business and they have a sign outside and they prefer me to wear a mask, I have one in my car. I have several in my car. I put it on, even though I prefer not, I hate wearing those things. But I put it on to respect that person's business. We're Christians. We should behave, Right? We're not here to be against things. We're here to be for things. I'm for life. What happened was when, when the whole anti-abortion thing happened in the 80s and 90s, right, we were against abortion. I stood out in the street with the signs and did all that, and, and they were, because we were against it, what rose up in the midst of the Christianity, right, was bombings and killings, and that's not what God called us to do. He called us to be for life. We're Christians. We are for something, not necessarily. Now, when you stand for something, of course, there's things that you're going to be against, but that's not our focus. Our focus is what we're for. So we are for the congregating. We're for the assembly of the people. And now that we're back and we're starting to, we still got people that, you know, I've said this before, we were packed out in here before COVID, right? And we're kind of getting back to it. And the Lord said, no, 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 it's okay. I'm going to use the remnant to do the most. He spoke to my wife about that, and I agreed with her spiritually. I felt like, yeah, that's it. And he has done more with less. The year of COVID, we shut down for three months. We, there was like trying to get back in here and not coming back in here. And then, and then we came back for a few months, and then a, a bunch of the leaders got COVID, and we had to shut down for two weeks. And then it was just a crazy year. Financially, it was our best year. I can't explain that to you. I don't know how that happened. 
Most pastors would say, not have service on Sunday? I don't think we could do that. We, because they live Sunday to Sunday. They need to have that. We don't, we don't, we're not like that here. I want you to know that. Okay? So we, we, I was brought up in the ministry properly to a place where we have an emergency. You know, Dave Ramsey would be very proud of this church. So uh, we can say we're not going to have church on Sunday. It's Christmas morning, we decided. It's Christmas morning. People should be with their families. Other churches opened on Christmas morning. I don't have anything to say about that. I don't think they did anything wrong. No, they did that. But we decided that that's what we were going to do, that we were, were not going to open. Most, a lot of churches, especially churches our size, can't do that because they need to pick up that tithe and offering that morning to be able to continue doing ministry. But thank God that we're not like that here. But we need each other. We need to congregate, to assemble. And this global separation, as I call it, caused a major problem in the church. And that's why we're reestablishing this vision of community. We were created from the very beginning to need each other. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. That phrase right there, helper, comparable to him, meant that he was going to make a person, a man with a womb, so that he would not only be alone, but he would procreate. So if he was just not to be alone to have one person in his life, then that would have been it, right? But he said, no, I'm going to create one person. From that person, I'm going to create the woman. And once I create the woman, creation is on you. He gave us the power to create human beings. I'm like, that blows me away. The three kids we had when they come out, I was like, wow. Uh, the first one I said, I made that. And then my wife corrected me, so I didn't say it again. <laughs> right? Because our part is kind of the fun part. But uh, so... Those of you, <laughs> those of you who don't understand that, we can have a conversation later. <laughs> Everyone here is old enough to. Oh, Matthew's here. He's a teenager in the house. That's not. Oh, another one. Over, oh, sorry. The mom went like this. We'll go over here. So, he gave us the the opportunity to why? Because he wanted peoples, a community of peoples. People is already. Wouldn't that be considered a plural? I don't know if this is right. Peoples with an S, to me, it's like a plural is not enough. We're going to make it plural. <laughs> Plurals. A community of peoples. He wanted us to be together. He, want, he knew that we were going to need each other. And that's a big step because if God that created man to have relationship with man said man should not be alone, even though I'm around... That gives importance to the ones that you're with. Think about that for a minute. Did, did anybody, everybody, I know over here somebody got it, right? So if God's in our life, I'm never alone. That's right, God's in our life. But separate yourself from people and don't see people or talk to people for any extended period of time and you're gonna, it's not going to be good. Emotionally, it's not going to be good, right? You, you might even get sick from not being around people, physically sick. So we have been hardwired by God to need people. We need people in our lives that we can connect with, right? 
We need to be connected because life is better when we do life together. Life is better when we do life together. A lot of people are struggling in life because they don't have relationships. And, you know, we've had this happen to us or been uh, told to us, and we've inspected our hearts and and our ministry and and what we can do. And, you know, life groups is one of those things that creates relationships. And, um, but the Bible teaches us you want friends? Show yourself friendly. It kind of puts it in your court. So it's like, I don't have, people aren't reaching out to me. I'm not, no, no, you show yourself friendly and, and you'll have friends. That's how that works. Sometimes we have to step out of our shell. I'm kind of an introvert. That's okay. We have others like that. Talk to them, <laughs> right? But talk to somebody. We have life groups. Get into a life group. You'll make relationships there. One of the things that the enemy loves to do is isolate us from others. When we're alone, we tend to think. Sometimes thinking is not so good. We think that there's something wrong with us. We lack the human contact that will encourage us. George MacDonald said this, The love of a neighbor is the only door out of the dungeon of self. The love of a neighbor is the only door out of the dungeon of self. I'm going to give you another quote, and then I'll tell you who it is. Only a life lived for others is worth living. Only a life lived for others is worth living. Albert Einstein. You're not fulfilled until you live for other people. You know, we, we have a generation that, that uh, it happens every so often, but there's a generation that grows up and and not all, we say generation, I don't want to generalize that and say that it's everybody, but it's a large group, and, and they live for them. And they, and they have no problem telling you, I'm selfish. I live for me. And that's okay, I guess, for a while, but sooner or later, you live for you with others that live for themselves, so you're not by yourself anymore, <laughs> right? Because you want to find other like people that are with you, right? Misery loves company. So only a life lived with others is worth living. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, new, the New Living Translation says, And may the Lord make your love grow and overflow to who? To each other and to everyone else, just as your love overflow, overflows towards you. Just as our love overflows towards you. We need to be overflowing into other people as other people flow into us. And the only way that happens, I have a whole teaching on that. And uh, I, I, was, I didn't want to go over today, so I didn't want to put, there's a, 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 a fountain that I put up here. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, those of you who have been with us for a while. There's a fountain, and there's the first tier, the second tier, and I break down what each tier means, you know, and there has to be a source, and the source to the fountain is God, and God pours into us, and then we pour into, and then as the tier, one fills up the other and then it pours down to the next one, so on and so forth. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to pour into others around us as others also pour into us. So New Life Church has a vision for our community. We have a, what, we, what I've heard said, a sense of community. I have little things on my notes now that I write next to it. And I said, if you, if, you know, if you have time. So some things I cover, some things I don't. But this one I'm going to cover. A sense of community. And you know, you know your five senses, right? See, smell, taste, hear, touch, taste, right? And 
we, uh, you've heard me say that God has given us a earth suit. Like if you were to go to the moon, you would go to the moon and you would put on an astronaut suit so because you can breathe and you can have oxygen and all the things that you need to live on that planet or on that, right? But when you're here on earth, you need an earth suit. You have to have this to be able to live here. And now the real you is inside this earth suit. See, but God's creation is different than man's creation because God's creation allows us to interact with the earth and the things around us in our community and our people. It allows us to, through these five senses, right? So when you're, when you're on the moon, you're wearing gloves, you're, and you, touch the, you don't really touch the ground, you're touching it. But on our earth suit, we're, we're allowed to have a feeling when we touch the ground. We're allowed to taste things, and we're allowed to see things and hear things. And the, the Bible operates that way, right? Um, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Your worship is a fragrance. In the, in the book of Psalms, your worship is a fragrance. Faith comes by hearing, hearing and hearing by the... Lay your hands... And they shall recover, right? It's all about that, those senses, about having those senses. So when you say a sense of community, means that the church, not just us as individuals now, that the church as a community has to have these senses to touch the community outside of us. I want the community around us to taste and see that God is good. How do they do that? Through us. We are the connection between God and them. When people say church, they automatically connect. And if they had a bad experience in church, they blame God because that is their connection with, right? Don't blame God for what people do. That's a big deal. We need to adjust some things in us that, that we will be more receptive. I'm not talking seeker sensitive in any way because sin is sin, no matter how you put it. But we're not called. We're called to bring people in because God loves them, not to point out everything they've done wrong and to judge them. I like to say it this way. God has called us to fish, not to fillet and fry them, right? To catch fish, but not fillet and fry them, right? So we have to be very careful uh, uh, how we do that. But it's the senses of the church reaching out. Think of it that way. So somebody, when somebody comes and has an experience, it's through their senses. Do they taste and see that God is good? Right? Is there their, their touch? Oh, the church gave me a bad taste in my mouth. That's, that's a saying that we have, isn't it? For other things, not just the church. I'm using it there to give you an example of how we, the, the sense of community that we have. So we need to use those senses to touch our community in the same way that God touches us and allows us to reach out into the community through these, uh, these five senses. We provide food during Thanksgiving, right? We provide toys for the kids. We provide a word that comes into your ear and into your heart and changes who you are. All right? We provide these things that allow the community to experience the church through these senses, a sense of community. Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, the people perish. You guys heard that before, right? An unknown author said, where there's no vision, the people find another parish. I love that. If I was the one writing that proverb, I would have wrote it like that, all right? It's true. We have a vision here, and we're going to fulfill it, 
And we're gonna, we have purpose here at New Life, not just to meet on Sundays and Wednesdays. We, you know, we, were, we were in Savannah for a week, and we were going around, and, and then we've traveled sometimes, and, and we're usually not away on a Wednesday, but we notice that uh, uh, you, know, you have those little signs outside, it says services, and it says Sunday, services Sunday, 10.30, two services on Sunday, 9 and 11, two ser- services Sunday, sun- and you don't see Wednesday night services. We have a sense of community that the church would reach out into the community. You know what happened? The community affected the church. Can I step on some toes? Remember, I told you I was all in this year. I remember growing up in the 90s, early 90s, and you know, you have pow leagues, you know, know what I'm talking about. Baseball leagues, basketball leagues, you have different things, right? And then our son was always in our local basketball leagues. He loved to play basketball. He was really amazing, and he still is at soccer, but he wanted to play basketball. So we, we put him in a lot of these leagues. And the leagues began to have practice or games on Wednesday evening. If, you're, if, if you've been in the church long enough, you know that the community would not ever dare have any type of activity on a Wednesday or a Sunday. They would not touch those days because the church was gathering and those people that go to church would not go to their activity and it would cause them to fail. So they would not touch that day. Do you know they have games on Sunday mornings? And parents take their kids to the games. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. I'm not mad, I promise you. When that child grows up and they're having an issue with their parents or they have an issue with drugs or alcoholism or they're, whatever it is that they're going through in life, you're not going to tell them, let's go outside and throw the ball. That's going to fix everything. You're going to tell them, we need to go to God. We need to pray. We need to go to church. We need to seek counsel of the, of the priest. We need to go, Right? We need to go and see what God has for us so that we can get through this situation. Throwing a ball 90 miles an hour is not going to get you out of that situation. The truth. In love, I love you, I really do. But we've allowed the community to rob the church. And we just adjust to it. It's okay, it's okay. And what happens? That kid sees the church, and you, you create a value system in that child's life, and that, you, put the, you keep bringing the church down. And listen, some people say, oh, I don't need the church to have a relationship with God. Yes, you do. The Bible is clear. Do not forsake the assembling of my people. If you don't love my people, then you don't love me. God said that. How do you love God's people? Right here. Because this is where somebody's going to rub you the wrong way. <laughs> This is where you, somebody's going to come along and disagree with you, right? This is where things change a little bit. This is where we end up loving each other. And if we could love each other, then we know how to love him. Church is a place where the community could gather and assemble without compromising its faith or beliefs. See, our community as a church community needs to affect the community out there, not the other way around. We need to be those that look for opportunities to pour ourselves into our community and not expect our community to pour into us. Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything, 
that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Awesome. For where two or three are gathered, that word means in unity together, <laughs> with the same focus, same vision. In my name, I am there in the midst of them. You can't have church by yourself. You have to gather. They gathered in the temple and in their ho- in, in from house to house. That's why we have life groups. Because we're following the foundation of the church as it is explained in the book of Acts. God moves upon the gathering of his people. When we are in unity, our community we are in unity in our community, God will always show up. You ever seen, and you guys know this, how geese fly? You have the one in the front, and then you have the other ones, and he takes on all the wind, right? He's the one up front, and he, keeps, he takes on what they call the draft, right? And, he's, and then when he gets tired, he goes back, and then somebody takes his place, and then he's able to just kind of take a rest. That's why I say we're not headed into 2023, a new year. We're heading into a new season. It's time that the geese move around a little bit. Some of us have been taking the draft way too long. Right? It's time for us to be all in and to adjust. God moves on the gathering of his people. A church community that is all in cannot be stopped. I was going to use the story of the Tower of Babel here, but uh, I decided, if you guys know that, and you can look that up and find out, they were in such unity uh, that they were going to build a building to get to heaven, and God had to separate them because he says in, that, in those portions of Scripture that they're going to do this because they're in such unity. So if you can be in unity to do something against God, you can definitely be in unity to do something for God. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. I'm going to read this in the Message Bible, a paraphrase of the translation, not necessarily a translation. Verse 12, I'm not saying that I have it all together, that I have it made, but I'm well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, do not get me wrong. By no means do I count myself as an expert in all this, but I've got my eye on the goal. I got my eye on the vision where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. 14. I'm off running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on the goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, something less than all in, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. I love that. You want me to shorten it for you? It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Everyone loves new starts, new beginnings. That's why we see people constantly. We, we have people that we know that they move every couple of years. They move to other states. and they move Because they, the new beginning, the new beginning, the new beginning. They're gonna, Jesus is going to come back and they're going to be caught in the new beginning instead of in the end of what their purpose is. Because we're constantly looking. and new, We start a new business. We start a new this. Relationships. You see people go from one relationship to the other to the other. Because those first dates and those, how they behave at the beginning. And then that goes away. We, we lost. We don't love each other anymore. No. Now is when you need to love each other. 
Now is when you work it out. Now is when you go for it. When things aren't right, when things aren't working, oh, you know, he doesn't, you know, it, it, there's a joke that says, the wife says to the husband, uh, I want you to treat me like you used to when we were dating before we were married. So he took her out to a movie, a dinner, and he dropped her off at her parents' house. <laughs> this all-in commitment to being a community of peoples pleases our Father. I want to please God. How many of you want to please God? Psalms 133, 1 through 3. How good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down onto Aaron's beard, all the way down to the collar of his robe, head to toe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So you can't read the first half of this without reading the second one. And then when you read the second one, you're kind of like, what does that mean? And he's explaining to you what it means. See, the oil is, in this, in this case, the oil, we know that it means anointing. In this, in this place, it means protection. And he says, I will protect you from head to toe. Right? I will take care of you. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. If you live together in unity, not only am I pleased, God says, but I will protect you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Not only will I protect you, I will provide for you. The Mount Hermon was one of the farthest mountains from Jerusalem. The, the distance was extreme. To think that water or dew was being provided for the city from a place that was so far away, only God could do that. And it provided this dew, provided through different types of weather, provided water provision from the mount all the way down. All the way down and everything in between. See, when we're God's people in unity together... It not only protects us, but it provides for people around us. You know, the company you're in, even if you're an employee, is blessed because you are there. Amen. Jesse Duplantis one time, was before they bought his jets, he was in a, in, a, in a jet. He was in a commercial flight. And the flight was turbulence and things were flying. And it was really bad. And people were yelling and screaming and crying. And somebody looked at him and says, aren't you Jesse DePlantis? I've seen you on TV. I want you to pray. And he stood up and he said, I'm not praying. You all need to shut up and sit down. And they all looked at him and he goes, I'm on a mission from God. This plane's not going down because I'm on it. And if he's protecting me, he's protecting you. Can you not see? That sounds like him, doesn't it? It sounds just like him. And everybody sat down and looked at him, and he sat down, click, and soon he sat there, and, you know, through the turbulence, and it was like, this ain't going down. I got stuff to do. This plane ain't taking me down. So everyone in that plane was blessed and covered and protected because of him, because of his faith and his attitude towards what was happening. You affect everyone around you. How? When we gather together in unity. See, this prepares you for going out there. 
This protects you. So the oil or the anointing is protection for all, head to toe. And the dew of Hermon is provision. Wow. Ephesians 4.3, make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. You have these on your notes. You can take them home and study them. So as those who have been chosen by, of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. How are we unified? Through love. Do you know what that means? That we're going to disagree. But we can disagree with each other and not be disagreeable. We could disagree with each other and not be disagreeable. You are not going to find the perfect church. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Curly. If you do find the perfect church and you go there, now it's not perfect anymore. That was Pastor Curly. I'm just repeating what he said. <laughs> I'm going to put it on him. Right? There's no such thing. Well, you guys don't do enough hymns. Or, you, or, or you, know, you don't wear a suit and tie. Listen, if these are the things that you're using to move from church to church, you're never going to find a church. You're never going to find one. And if you're not rooted... And planted in a church somewhere, you're not being fruitful. Rooted and grounded in love. We need to be rooted and grounded here. And if we're going to disagree with some things, now, obviously, if I doctrinally go off the, the deep end, you guys need to do something about that. We have, you know, those of you who know Pastor Fred and Pastor Sean, you got phone calls to make. That's why they're there. Okay? But don't worry, I'm not going off the deep end. It's, it's got to be here. It's never, oh, I have, once you're here, I have the only revelation of this. Run. Okay? Because that's not, that's not how it works. But, you know, I got my vision for 2023, and I've heard of other churches already talking about being all in and being, you know, and, and, uh, and doing some, some ministry adjustments and things like that. So we're, we're right, right in line with what God is doing in the church. So the church is placed in the community to bless the community, not so that the, uh, uh, the church can be blessed by the community, right? We're here to bless the community. We're not a business. I know in some places, churches are run like businesses. There's an executive pastor, and he makes sure that, the, that there are certain finances that come in, and they support ministries all over the world, and they do stuff like that, and, you know, and, they, and it's run like a business. We don't run it like a business here. This is the kingdom. We've got a kingdom business to do here. It's a little bit different. So we're here to bless our community, not to be blessed by it. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47, coming to a close. Now all who believed were together. Are we together? And had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. What now? Did we just not hear that? Continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. 
47, praising God and having favor with all the people. Listen, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. If we operate in the community that God has called us to be, the harvest will be plentiful. It just works together. And next week, that's what we're talking about. So as you see this community pouring into what we're going to be teaching next week is harvest, I want you to know that some of the things that we do here are not just ideas that came to my mind and just, you know, I've read things and learned things and watched other churches do things. And we're about to come on to right before Easter, the a week before Easter, the Saturday before Palm Sunday, we are going to uh, have uh, what we call free market. How many of you have been part of the free market here before? Okay. So uh, what we do is we have like a flea market or a garage sale or yard sale right out here in the parking lot. We advertise in the penny saver and, and let people know we go on Facebook and put a thing on Facebook. And, and the whole community gets all excited. They know. We already, we're already getting calls. Hey, are you guys having a free market again this year? Our community knows us for this. So what we do is, and I've already got bins in my garage. I already told my wife, I said, I got two or three bins, and I'm not even going to look through them. I'm just going to grab them. I haven't, I haven't used my camping equipment in 10 years. <laughs> I hope it's all still good, but I'm going to grab that bin, right? So if you need tents and stuff like that, I'm going to have them out here. I'm, I'm bringing my, that bin for that. I'm bringing a bin full of some other stuff that we just don't use anymore. It's just sitting there in the garage. I'm going into my attic. I'm going through all that stuff, and I'm bringing it in, and we're all going to do that. The Friday before that Saturday that we have the free market will be the day for everybody to bring their stuff. And we set up in here, and we separate, then we hang clothes, and we do all that. And then on Saturday morning, we push it all out into the, into the front thing, and people come and take stuff for free. They get their bag. Inside their bag is an invitation to our Easter service and to our, our Palm Sunday service. It's inside the bag. They take that bag. They can stuff that bag all they want to the top, and they can take one or two large items. Like if we had, uh, you know, we don't want somebody to pull a truck up and say, it's free. Yeah, they load up their truck. So we want to regulate what people take. And then last year, my favorite part of last year that we did it uh, uh, was we had a table out there and people brought toys, like used toys and things, right? And when the kids would show up, I, would, I, I forgot all about the parents. I look at the kid and I would say, you see those toys over there? They're free. What? <laughs> free! Like, no money, no money, no money. I don't need no, nothing. Go get them there. Here's a bag. I can put as much as I want in the bag. For reals? For reals? Yes, for reals. Go over there and get. Man, those kids were like. Rawr. You know, at one point, one kid was dragging the toy from the other. You know, and we had, wait a minute. There's enough here for everybody, right? That was my favorite part of last, last time. Free. And then people come in and says, no, this is what we want to do for the community. Why? Because we have a sense for the community. We want the community to, have, to taste and see that God is good. I'm not here because I need something from you. I'm here because we want to give you something. That changes everything. Conspiracy of kindness, right? Stephen Jogren, Jogren, right? This is an awesome book. It's, it's outdated. It's a little old, so some of the things in there, but uh, I know I already went over by five minutes, and I promised I wouldn't, but I just broke my own promise to myself. But 
one of the things that happened, this church, I believe, is in Connecticut, if I remember correctly. There was a local hardware store that went out of business. And uh, they, they were selling everything they had. And then they finally got to the back of their storage area. And they had light bulbs. They had hundreds of light bulbs. And they're like, what are we going to do with this? We've already closed down. So they called the local church and they said, hey, we have all these light bulbs. I think the owner maybe was part of the church. And the church says, yes, we'll take the light bulbs. It says, well, you need all these light bulbs? It says, no, but the community does. How many people in your house right now has a ceiling fan or, or a lamp or something that has a light bulb that's out in it? <laughs> so this pastor said, Oh, yeah, we're going to meet the need of this community. And they got, I don't know, 15, 20 people. They put all these bulbs in the back of a truck, and they went door to door. And they knock on the door, and they would say, do you have a bulb? How do you know I have a bulb? Because most people do. And here, here's a bulb that you can, do you need another one? And they went door to door. They didn't even promote the church. They didn't say who they, people would ask and say, oh, we're from the church down the street, but we just want to give you a light bulb because we knew you needed it and we want to provide the need for our community. And so they just kept going, moving on. So one of the houses they got to, uh, the grass was grown high and the the house wasn't very well taken care of. And they got to the front door and and they knocked and the guy came to the door in a wheelchair. And they asked him, he says, hey, do you have, you know, a light out or a bulb out? He says, oh, I have several. He goes, well, if you tell me how many, I'll give you the bulbs. So he, you know, he kind of figured, I need about 10 bulbs or whatever, right? He, all this time, he's got a major attitude. He's not happy. So I, I need 10 bulbs. So he gave him the 10 bulbs, and the guy went to walk away. And the guy goes, in his own language, how in the, do you expect me to put up these bulbs when I'm in this wheelchair? And the guy goes, I would be more than happy to come in and put all those bulbs in wherever you would like. And he came in and put all the bulbs in and said, there you go, sir. You're welcome. Have a nice day. Before he could get to the gate, he walked down the sidewalk. The old man came to the door again, opened the door in his wheelchair, and he says, who in the are you guys? (laughs) I don't know about you, but that wouldn't offend me. That would make me salivate. That would make me hungry for the lost, right? I would be like, "This this guy's ripe. This guy's good. I'm, it's perfect. Yeah, this one's ready, man. I don't know about you, but I like the smell of cigarettes and alcohol, and right? Not because I do it, but because someone needs Jesus. <laughs> you know, I get like, woo! I did a funeral in here once for this lady. She was a missionary, but her whole family was unsaved. She was a missionary somewhere, and they all came from, she was Puerto Rican. They all came from Puerto Rico. We had a big picture of her here, and, and, and the, the church was full, and it stunk in here, man. They were out there smoking cigarettes. One guy had a six-pack of beer, and they were in a trunk, having a trunk party, you know, whatever they call those, uh, uh, and they were sitting in the back, and then they all moved in here little by little, and I was like, wow, this is what the churches smell like, and I had them right where I wanted them to, man. I had the mic. They were listening to me. They were honoring their aunt. A lot of them, it was their aunt and their sister. And she never got married or had kids. And she was a missionary. Gave her whole life to the Lord. Talked about her and talked about her purpose. And then I said, there's some of you in here that feel like you've fallen short because of what you did. But God can begin to use you right now if you give your life to the Lord. Eight people stood up right here. Eight people. The smelliest one of them all stood up. And I sent them back to Puerto Rico, changed, because Jesus came into their life, right? So this guy's at the door. He's cussing the guy out, asking him where he's from, and all this is going on. And, uh, and he tells him he's from the church or whatever. 
And he goes, what if I want to go? And he goes, you're always welcome to come here. He goes, I don't have a way to get there. And the guy goes, I'll come get you on Sunday. What time would you like me to be here? And he picked him up on Sunday with his wheelchair, took him to church. The guy got saved, and he ended up leading the ushers in his wheelchair. He ended up leading the ushers and was serving in the church, changing his language, right? And people helped him. They came, they cut his lawn, they, fixed, they painted his house. The church helped him. And, I mean, how do you, how do you, that's a sense of community. They had all things in common. That's why I love this book. So uh, this will kind of be along the line of, of some friends that have chickens that lay eggs. So <laughs> this one company had all these eggs, and they're like, we, we have nowhere. Our refrigerator went out, and we had, it was a company of eggs or whatever. And they're like, you know, we already cleaned the eggs. It's, I learned these things from, from them, from Jim and Carrie. So once you clean the egg, it has to be refrigerated, right? And I didn't know any of that. I, you know, I go to... Publix and buy eggs, right? Exactly. I'm from Miami, man. I don't know. I've never seen a chicken lay an egg. But uh, I didn't know where they came from. No, I knew where they came from. But so they had all these extra eggs. And so they, the, the, one of the guys there says, you know, let's give it to the church. Maybe they can have like a, a scramble egg day or something and, and give out food or whatever. So they came to the church and, and this pastor said, you know what? Let's do what we did with the bulbs. Because how many people have a, in their, or have a need for eggs in their refrigerator right now? <laughs> How many of you are paying 3 or $4 a dozen, which is ridiculous? Even at Aldi's is expensive right now, right? It ain't the goose that's laying the golden egg anymore. It's the chicken. So <laughs> they gave them all these eggs, and they did the same thing. They went door to door, and they knocked on the door, and they were like, here, here's a dozen eggs. In case you needed them, we have, we're just giving them away. Where are you guys from? Whatever. So the one guy goes up to the door, boom, 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 knocks on the door. This lady comes to the door. She's got her purse on her thing. She's grabbing her keys. She goes, I don't have time for this. I have to go to the store. And he goes, I just want to give you some eggs. She goes, how did you know that's what I was going to the store for? <laughs> she was baking or making something, and she needed eggs. And he goes, I didn't. I just brought them to you, and this is what he said. God knew you needed them, and he sent me to bring them to you. Is God concerned about my eggs? And he said, he's concerned about every area of your life. And he wants to provide for every area of your life. That lady went to church, got saved. Why? Because there was a sense of community. There was a sense of we need to go out there. See, what happens out there is more important than what happens here. But what happens out there can't happen unless something happens here. Right? This is the community that affects that community out there. Stand to your feet. Next week is harvest. I'm so excited about that. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Father. As we reestablish our vision, Father, I just pray that we don't just understand this vision and say, yes, Lord, but we actually do something with it, Lord, that we put action to our faith, Lord, for faith without works is dead. So I just pray this morning, Father, that as we go out into our communities now, Lord, and we head out there to see our neighbors again and to and, and, and people that maybe we haven't spoken to or we stay away from, Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would lead us uh, to speak to them, Lord, lead us to provide a need. Lead us, Lord, that we would be 
even greater givers from New Life, that we would provide for our missions here and in Dominican Republic, Lord, in a greater way in this new season. Not just the new year, but a new season. Thank you, as we establish this vision. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.